It's a Thursday edition of Smith & Jones. Eric Smith, Paul Jones with you. Morning after, the Toronto Raptors got themselves back on track after they got their leader back into the lineup, and he certainly looked every bit the part last night for Toronto in their victory over the San Antonio Spurs. The Raptors went into the half trailing, not by a lot, but had a dominant second half as the Raptors go on to win by 15 in San Antonio, break the skid, get back on the winning track behind Van Vliet's 26 points going along with a couple of assists and six rebounds, seven of 15 from the floor, three of eight from distance. And the Raptors' victory and Fred Van Vliet's performance comes on a night when the win was doubly good for the Raptors. Perhaps we could even argue triply good as the Charlotte Hornets lost to the Boston Celtics, the Atlanta Hawks lost to the Milwaukee Bucks. So the Raptors not only gain a little bit of ground on the Brooklyn Nets, Jonesy, they gain a little bit of ground on the Cleveland Cavaliers, and they put even more distance between themselves uh, and the Hawks and Hornets, respectively, as well. So lots to like about last night, but put Fred and his return at the top of the list. Because uh, somebody hit me up after the game saying, uh, listen to the show today, and uh, Jonesy, you and E weren't expecting much from Fred. And I said, well, guy's been off for a week. Bad knees. You don't know how much he's been able to work out. And usually you, you come up short a little bit. And his first four shots, all short. Uh, then he started to get to the hoop. And then I thought, this is no just average Joe. This is Fred Van Vliet, a guy that's overcome odds his entire life. So he's out for a bit. And while everybody else would get kind of a pass coming back and you know, I could I could have seen a 5 for 16 in there or a 5 for 17 and, you know, not a bad game, you know, 14, 15 points, six assists, a couple of rebounds. Like, you know, okay, not bad for the first one back. Get your timing back. Not Fred. <laughs> he comes, comes roaring out of the gate. And uh, then I remembered, like, the guy's an all-star. So uh, it was a big win. And, Erica, uh, the, the biggest thing, as you said, um, and we're going to hear about it later, the Raptors avoid being a footnote in history mm-hmm. uh, with Popovich not getting win 13-36. And, and just when you think things look bleak, right? We've always talked about this. Never, never underestimate the line between good and bad and how close you are to it and crossing it. Three losses in a row. Lose at home to Detroit and Orlando. Get beat in Cleveland, no Malachi, no Fred. You're going on the long trip. You're like, oh, man. All of a sudden, boom, it gets turned around. Now what's the attitude, right? Sure, you're going into Phoenix and, and Denver, but you're going in healthier with your, one of your leaders and your star players back. Uh, Phoenix is coming back off an impressive win, albeit against Miami, but uh, first game back from a long trip in the other direction on the other coast, you know what that's like. Yep. So it's 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 going to be a, a really, really good game. I'm, I'm looking forward to that one on Friday night. But, yeah, Raptors were terrific in the second half. E, the defense locked in, um, really kind of held on to San Antonio and did a nice job. And, and by the way, can Kem Birch pre- please get a break? <laughs> no, he, that's the problem. He's getting too many. Broken oh, face, broken mouth. <laughs> He's got what, too what many happens? breaks. What happens when you stub your toe in the middle of the night for the next five days around your house, right? <laughs> Everywhere yeah, you, you just... go, you hit your toe, right? 
Or, or when you, or when you bite your cheek or your tongue or oh. your lip or something, and you just keep getting the same spot over and over and over again, right? Oh, poor guy. Oh, <laughs> oh man. When it, but I'll tell you what, though. All, all joking aside, I guess, I guess, it turned out to be best case scenario because when he got hit and went back to the locker room, I'm thinking, oh my goodness. And, and listen. Anybody that's had any broken bone of any kind knows what we're talking about, or even, as Jonesy just mentions, a, a, a stub toe, a bit lip, whatever. But, Jonesy, I can tell you from firsthand knowledge, I broke my nose when I was a kid. That's why I've got such a beautiful face now, right? I've got that mangled nose. i got this extra little bump and bridge on my nose. Man, any little hit to the face after that or anything, like, it, look out. Look out. I remember being in tears as a kid hearing that I might have to have plastic surgery, facial surgery to repair my nose. And I can only imagine playing at an elite level as a professional athlete with the banging and the crashing and the elbows flying that a big in the NBA deals with, let alone even just a fluke ball that might hit you in the face or something. And when he got hit yesterday, I thought, oh, no. I mean, he wouldn't be back if the bones weren't healed. The mask wouldn't be off if the bones weren't healed. But you got to assume that they're still not 100% really, right? Like to get hit again, I'm thinking, yeah. oh, my gosh, if he busted it again or if this sets him back again. So thank God it was only the tooth, right? <laughs> like it's only the tooth. That was actually the positive out of all that. Oh, poor guy. I, I, although he looks to be <clears throat> kind of back in form, you know, his – his customary playmaking in the short roll, uh, quarterbacking at the nail there, uh, making his little his little push shot, his little float shot, you know, 10, 12 feet in. Um, I, I, I think he's going to be a big part of things. And he's, he's one of those guys that is like the transmission on your car. He just does his job and nobody really notices, you know, blocking people out, setting good screens, keeping a ball alive, uh, just little things that you need. And it's good to see him healthy and back in the lineup. Well, I'll tell you, let me talk about one other big, and then we are going to go inside the locker room and hear from some of the players after last night's ballgame. First of all, a little shout-out, I suppose, to uh, Pascal Siakam and Precious Achua, both with 20 points and eight rebounds apiece. Pascal adding three assists. Scotty had one, but the Rook with eight of 12 from the floor. So an extremely efficient game uh, game for him as he, he just... You know, continues to impress the season. Siakam, 7 of 15. Gary Trent, eh, maybe a little bit more on track. Only 2 of 8 from distance, 5 of 13 overall. Perfect at the free throw line. 5 of 5, had 17 points. But you talking about Ken Birch, I wanted to shout out another big. And he's been doing it now for a while. We talked about him actually on yesterday's show being the only one to score off the bench for the Raptors in Toronto's previous game. But Precious Achua, last night, Jonesy, 5 of 11, 13 points, 3 rebounds. And when did Precious Achua become such an efficient 3-point shooter as well? 3 of 5 last night, and he's regularly knocking down those shots with consistency, I'd say for what, at least a couple of weeks now, if not a month? Yeah, yeah. And I I think it speaks to, um, as I talked about, his freedom when he came over from Miami. Uh, they put him in a box. He came to Toronto, realized that Nick Nurse was going to allow him to to play to his potential, uh, giving him freedom. And I think he tried to do everything with that freedom at once, you know, taking the ball coast to coast, shooting threes, 
trying to make passes like a point guard. And, and then he realized, okay, I do have this freedom. It's not going away. Uh, so let's refine things. And the three-point shooting is, has been a big part of that. And he's confident. He's shooting them with conviction. And he's doing a lot of other nice things on the floor, too. Um, and, and what I like is he's being responsible with it. There are times when he has a three-point shot when he turns it down and he drives it or he makes the extra pass. So it's not like, oh, I got to take him all the time, right? It's, and, and we saw this with Chris Boucher in, at the early part of the season when he was all three, three, three. And then it's like, no, I can do other things. And this, it was the other things that made me successful. Let's go back to doing some of them, running the floor, playing with energy, getting on the glass, blocking shots, playing good defense. So I, I think Precious has kind of fallen into that mold too. And I, I love the way he's improved over the course of the season. Gremlins. <laughs> the Gremlins have hit E. Smith. Look, I, to, to the point, let me continue on about Precious. He's going to be valuable. And I, I think when you look at the lineups that the Raptors have put out there, Last night, Nick had that lineup out there that I really like, the long lineup. You know, it had all guys, including Thaddeus Young, that had that switchability. They were all between 6'8 and 6'10, and <laughs> their defense was, was really, really good in the second half. And that's a good way to play without Van Vliet. You've got, uh, you know, Barnes and Siakam as playmakers, but everybody understands what to do and how to move the ball and how to play when they're out there. Yeah, and there weren't gremlins, uh, Jonesy. I was trying to talk to Lanzo to make sure we had the clip oh, okay. uh, queued up. But how, how, how should I question Lance? Of course he's ready to go, uh, as he's always on his game. Uh, speaking of Precious Achua, Nick Nurse on his big. Listen, he, he played a lot of good games here lately. I just think that, again, for me, I'm going to sound like a broken record here, but when he's got energy and is is running hard and playing hard i think a lot of good things happen for him right just a lot of good things he's really moving his feet on d and and um you know i think i think with the team we have on the floor he's going to get some looks from the corner three um i've been we've been much more happier on his his finishing drives or at least getting you know himself a little more organized in there i th i think he's probably getting hit on some of those that's the next step if we can get him get him to you know play through those and, and score anyway without needing a call or getting a call here and there. But a little, little more organized and cleaning up his game. You know, it's either a catch and shoot or it's a hard drive all the way, which which we like. First thing I think of when I hear Nick Nurse Jonesy talking about maybe working on getting hit in the lane is seeing big cat Jamal McGlure out there just shoving guys around in practice and pregame warm-ups, maybe even putting on those those big mitts, those big sort of cylinders that are the, the foam that you slide your forearms into and just hammering guys as they come in and working on playing through contact. And that's what it's about, right? Playing through the contact and um... – you know, we've said that, how many times have we said that on our broadcast, e? Pascal goes to the hoop or Precious goes to the hoop and you get a bump and it doesn't go in. You get the foul, you get the two free throws, but you want to be greedy. You want the and one. And, and I use the comparison in baseball all the time, 
runner on first, bang, like a hard hit ball, ground ball to the shortstop, like a scorching two hopper. And you flip it to the second baseman for one, and you're assuming double play. And maybe there's a fast runner or the throw to first is low or and you don't get the double play. Yeah, you still got the guy to, to make an out, but you wanted both of them. And, and I, I think that's what Nick's talking about. Being able to finish through the contact and, and give yourself a chance for, you know, get to the free throw line, set up a defense, all of those things. So, uh, yeah, it does, it does conjure up visions of Big Cat hammering people uh, in, the, in the warm-ups, definitely. Uh, Chua leading the way for the second unit again last night with those 13 points. Uh, they did get some production from Delano Banton as well with six uh, adding four assists, four boards, and Thaddeus Young against his former team, seven points, seven rebound. Nick Nurse uh, talking after the ball game about the Raptors bench. I didn't think uh, we were getting much off the bench in the first half. They did a really good job, but it most impressively was their defense. You know, they caused a couple shot clock violations and and just were really flying around out there, and that was you know jump starting them into some some opportunities and transitions. So. That, no, they really, they really played great. Really, really proud of Delano stepping up there. You know, 20, 20 plus minutes, made some really good passes. I thought that pick and roll lob to Precious was a key moment where the game was kind of wobbling a little bit, and they made a big play. The two of them, thought he pressured defensively and was part of the group that really guarded there for a stretch. Good, really good defensive effort second half for us. You know, and, and Jonesy, how many times have we talked about this over the years, let alone over this year specifically, staying ready, being ready, and, and, and all the pressures, the highs and lows that going go with being a, a professional athlete. If we look back to the beginning of the season when Goran Dragic was still here, and again, we talked you know, many times in the past about how he started the year, especially with Pascal uh, still sidelined coming back from that shoulder injury and the uh, shoulder surgery, but... Many anticipating or expecting that Malachi Flynn would be the primary guy. Suddenly this kid from, from Rexdale steps up, and he's the primary guy getting a lot of those backup minutes. It's Delano Banton. And then as the season goes on, Malachi's still not playing a ton, but Banton's still getting some minutes, and then Banton starts to slow a bit, and we don't see him as much, and Nick Nurse is tightening the rotation. And then Van Vliet goes down, and Malachi steps up and has a great four-game stretch, and we don't see Banton. And then Malachi gets hurt, and now Banton's back. Talk about just staying ready both physically but also mentally as well and being ready knowing that your number can and will be called at any point and you've just got to continue to stick with it and keep working. That's what the league is. You know, you, your shot's going to come. You just don't know when. So be ready for it. Be ready. Stay ready. Uh, you know, be ready. Uh, get your work in. And, and you know, I... I I think with the Raptors, the, the fact that they have guys that have uh, been second round, Fred non-drafted, Pascal late first round, and they've done well, is a testament to the system. And you know those guys are passing that on to the guys that are coming in. Hey, man, stay ready. Like, you just never know. Your time's going to come. Your time's going to come. And... It, it, you know, give credit to the coaches. We just talked about Big Cat, but G like all of them, you know, Jimmy San, um, like all the coaches, I, 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 could, I, I could name every one of them. They're all working with guys. Uh, you know, they, they, they sit on the bench before the games and show them video. And, and some p people would first glance would say, 
Why are they showing that guy video? He, he's probably not going to play. Well, you don't know what's going to happen. You don't know if somebody's going to get injured or there's going to be multiple people in foul trouble and the guy needs to be in there for a few minutes. And that's part of staying ready and just taking it seriously and just knowing, uh, knowing that at some point you're going to get your shot. All right, let's uh, move over to Fred Van Vliet after hearing from Nick Nurse, but kind of on this topic about guys getting minutes and young guys especially staying ready and whatnot. Uh, speaking about Malachi Flynn and Scotty Barnes and others, here's Fred Van Vliet. As much playmakers as possible. Um, that, that's you know the best way to play the game is having five guys out there who can make plays and being able to break the defense down, initiate the offense, and make plays for themselves and for others. So for those guys to get those reps is important for their growth and their development. Um, I think Scotty's been pretty consistent, you know, handling the ball. We've given him a lot of space and freedom to to grow and and um, to do what he wants offensively. Um, but it was it was big for Malachi to get in there those four or five games to get an extended run, um, just for his own confidence and swag. And you know, he's had a tough up and down year, so that was good good minutes for him. And um, I think it can help you know our entire team. You know what I love about that as well, Jonesy, and, and, and maybe it's not fair to co- compare pro sports to everything else and every other job and walk in life of, uh, and whatever else. But see if you, I don't know if you agree with me on this. I reckon back to, well, even last year, but certainly the last, you know, three, four, five years. Kyle Lowry was always pumping and promoting and pushing and helping and guiding Fred Van Vliet and others, but especially Freddie. He could have easily been looking over his shoulder and and nervous or not confident or questioning himself or threatened or whatever you want to say, like a lot of us in life. How many of us look over our shoulders at who might be coming and somebody that maybe isn't ready or somebody that isn't deserving or at least in your eyes isn't deserving and suddenly you start getting you know uneasy about yourself or or what's happening with your job or your role or your place at your workplace or whatever it might be fred to me seems to be taking those reins just like kyle he's not worried about who's coming up behind him or who might be better worse whatever it's about no you need to be good because we need to be good and you being good will make me better and vice versa. And that's best for the team, et cetera. And that, to me, is leadership, period. Yeah. Uh, and that's the, you know, that's the bonding, bonding factor uh, of a team because it's about us collectively and, and sacrifice. It's about we, not me. And I, if I'm going to be successful, I need you to do your job so we can be successful. I'll be successful. You'll be successful. We all will be. And that's, I, I, I really think that's something that uh, the, Rab- the Raptors have established in their culture going back to the lockout season in the hiring of Dwayne Casey. And it started there. And then years later, you know, he brought in, he brought in Nick and, yeah, Dwayne's gone now, but the foundation was laid in those early years. And when Masai came in and hired Dwayne, and, and it just seemed like everybody was in line, Eric. There was no management wants to do this, coaching wants to do this. We don't know what went on behind closed doors, but when they came out, they were aligned. And I think you're seeing the continuance of that right now with this club. And it's being passed on, as you said, from Kyle to Fred, you can bet 
you know, Malachi, if he's around the organization for a long time, has has is going to garner and and take that in. And it's like the blueprint. The same way LeBron James took the blueprint from Miami and went to Cleveland and won a title. So that stuff, that stuff, when you're about the team, that stuff is is never bad. Well, on that very topic, let's listen in on Fred Van Vliet and his role, his ever-evolving role and place as a leader and his leadership skills. I've kind of been the same voice, uh, you know, for most of my career other than my rookie year. Obviously, it was, everything was new for me, learning and, um, you know, trying to figure out what was going on. But once I had a, a hold of the game, um, that's kind of how all those relationships developed, especially me and Kyle and DeMar and those guys. I would just be talking to them the entire game and, um, you know, being active on the bench, bringing energy and talking to the coaches. And, and that's a good way to stay engaged and it's also a good way to learn. So um, I didn't have as many headaches, you know, as a young player as I did over the last week trying to coach and, and help the team without being on the court. Um, so that that's a good thing. But, uh, like I said, this is way more fun to be out there on the court than it is to be on the sideline. Well, and it was certainly great to have Fred back on the court again, leading the way for the Raptors last night. Uh, top scorer for Toronto, top scorer in the ball game, helping Toronto to their 15-point victory. And one last one from inside the Raptors locker room from Scotty Barnes, talking about just that as well, Fred Van Vliet's presence on the floor. Of course, he, he's, a, he's a leader on this team. Uh, he, he's on this nonstop on the floor about just getting stops, getting to our spots. Uh, makes it easier, opens up a lot of more space. Uh, He's he's a he's a general out there on the floor, uh, so it helps us all when he's out there on the floor, uh, with the driving lanes being more open. Uh, when he's there, his just presence is is really big for our, our team. Can we just take a moment as well to talk about Scotty Barnes Jonesy? I mean, a couple of games ago, granted, yes, I know they lost, but playing point forward, primary ball carrier and and, and playmaker uh, for the Raptors in that game against the Cavs, going toe-to-toe against the, the fellow rook in, in Evan Mobley. He's had an incredible season overall. There are so many things that we could dissect from his game. Like, I'm full-on, I don't even think it's fair to say drinking the Kool-Aid because it's not like you're being brainwashed or something or, or served something that you're being forced to, to try and like. The dude is great, and I think he's going to be greater, and he's going to be an all-star. But the thing that stands out most to me that's, that has evolved so quickly over the course of the season and, and listen, we talked to David Thorpe, we talked to so many others about how we all did not believe he was this advanced offensively coming in. We were thinking rebounder, defender, shot blocker, energy guy, etc. But his offensive skills, and one specifically that stands out to me, his ability to finish with the left hand and his footwork and moves and just the total package down in the post going left or right, finishing with the left or the right, damn near, I would say, ambidextrous, basically. Not just proficient, but he's as equally skilled, it seems, with either hand. And he's doing that in his rookie season at 20 years old? My goodness, Jonesy. What's he going to look like next year, let alone three, five years from now? The guy's going to be a monster. He's going to be a monster. And, And I will say this. I saw that early in him. Um, and I, I've always said this, somebody has taught this young guy how to play. In spite of the, um, the pitfalls and selfishness that comes with some of the AAU programs where it's all about me, 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 and get mine and look good and get my. Somebody has taught this guy how to play. 
he, he passes the ball. He makes the right play. He's not afraid to hit it ahead to somebody who's in a better position or open. He does it at the right time. I, I've said there's times when he looks like a young Magic Johnson. And I mean that in the entirety because you talk about the post game and playing on the inside and finishing. There are times when there are times when he's got a little guy on him and it's like you could see him go into the post and put his hand up like, yo, got a little one, got a little one. And they give him the ball in there and he goes to work and he's got an array of shots. He's got he's got the jump hook last night. Uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go back to, uh, I don't know if he's listening, but our, our man, Michael Cates, we used to sit and watch teaching videos from Hubie Brown. And I know with my brother working with Hubie Brown, I've talked to Hubie about this tape. Hubie has something called the box drill where he works with his big guys. And I saw this video back in like 1984 and I used it in an instructional video. Scotty Barnes, somebody must have shown him that last night. He was on the, he was like where most big people like to post up on the left block. So you can go to the right hand of the middle or the turnaround jumper on the baseline. I don't know who he had, but he was smaller. He walked him into the lane with a couple of crab dribbles. And everybody thought, oh, here comes a jump hook. Pivot, spin, drop step, lay it in with the left hand. It was like, like that is classic big man gold right there. And he's not afraid to do it. He, he recognizes when to do it. He doesn't try to overdo it, and, and just because he has a mismatch, he goes at it every time. He'll kick it out. If he doesn't have it on one side, cross the lane, get it on the other side. If the guy backs off him, he'll eat up the space, then turn and back him down. Somebody's just taught the kid how to play. So it, it's, and, and you don't, it's not by accident. You, you don't recognize those things unless you've had the reps and the teaching to go with it. So to your point, E., he is going to be an absolute monster in years to come. It's it's a pleasure to watch, to say the least, and it's it's ah, it makes it makes my uh, it makes my eyes bug out a little bit, makes me perk up a little bit more thinking about what the future truly could or would or should look like uh, for the Raptors, and hopefully it's it's the short term future in terms of a playoff run, but let alone the long term future as well. All right, speaking of playoff runs, I want to shift gears briefly. Uh, we're going to move on from the Toronto Raptors. We can talk more about the Raptors as the show goes on. Again, their win over the Spurs last night and how that keeps uh, the Raptors locked into that seventh spot in the Eastern Conference, in the play-in. And hopefully, hey, if you're a Raptor fan, you think that this team still has a chance to maybe climb a little bit higher. I know that loss to the Cavaliers uh, certainly didn't help a couple of nights ago. That maze makes the job that much tougher, but uh, there's still a chance. Still a chance with under 20 games to go, but that's kind of the same issue right now for the Brooklyn Nets uh, as they're trying to chase down the Raptors. Now two and a half games back, they're trying to figure things out after the trade, the acquisition of Ben Simmons, and uh, he still has yet to play for the team. Brooklyn will be in action in Philadelphia tonight. Simmons will not play, but by all accounts, from what we hear, he will be with the team and on the bench in Philly that might actually be worse than being on the floor, that's, sitting that's there and hearing itself. it. Like, oh yeah. my gosh, that's uh, the we're going to talk. Itself. Yeah, yeah, no doubt, no doubt. I mean, all those fans that are sitting right around the bench; they're going to be killing them all night. Like all night, they're going to be all over them. Um, yeah, go ahead. Before we get to it, uh, and I threw it into our group chat. They are making bets. There are prop bets on. Everything that's going on in Philly tonight. 
Will Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons have contact? Will they fist bump? Will they high five? Like, um, how many times? How many times over the uh, uh, over the course of a broadcast will uh, they, the the broadcasters say mention the mention Ben Simmons' name? Like, it's just it's become a circus now. And yeah. I don't know why, if you're Ben Simmons, you would subject yourself to that. Anyway, we'll get into that more in a minute, I'm sure. Yeah, well, we're, we're, going, to, we're going to have uh, Kate Scott join us in a few minutes' time, play-by-play voice for the Philadelphia 76ers. Uh, and we will talk to Kate about tonight's matchup between the Sixers and the Nets. But let's circle back to some comments that are yeah, about 24, 36 hours old. We wanted to play them for you on, uh, on yesterday's show, uh, but we just kind of ran out of time with so many other things going on. So we thought that it, they would still apply to today and, and lead us perfectly into our conversation uh, with Kate, again, coming up in a couple of minutes. And we're going to talk to her about Simmons and the Philadelphia side of things. But from Brooklyn, Kevin Durant uh, was asked if he had any advice for Ben Simmons in terms of uh, facing his old team and what to expect and whatnot. Because, you know, KD has uh, felt and seen and heard the venom over the years from previous squads that he played for. Here is Durant on Simmons. Absolutely not. That's one of those things he's going to have to experience for himself. I can't go over there and nobody's going to hold his hand. I'm sure it's going to be some personal attacks. There's going to be some, um, you know, something that might, you know, some words that may trigger you as personally. And But that's just how fans are. They want to get into our skin. They want to, you know, um, let their voices be heard. You know, I think part of the experience of coming to an NBA game is the heckle, you know? Some people don't even enjoy basketball. They just like, you know, their lives are so sh- that they, they get to just aim it at other people, you know? So it's easy to kind of get that release at a basketball game. So Ben understands that, and uh, I'm sure some stuff may be funny. You, know, you never know, but at the end of the day, we realize that life is amazing. We play the game of basketball for a living, and um, a little bit of trash talk is what it is. It's probably the best way to put it, right? He he, he can't yeah. give him any advice. He, I mean, he just gave him the advice right there. That was the advice. Like, you're going to have to experience it yourself. You're going to have to go through it. You're going to hear some things that are funny. You're going to hear some things that are brutal. And you just got to deal with it, right? Uh, unfortunately, yeah. And maybe, uh, you know, as much as I say, why would he subject himself to this? If it's like the weather, get it over with. Like, you know it's coming. Go through it, get it over with, and and move on. So, you know, if they come back to Philly for the playoffs, and if there, is a, if there are playoff gods, we will get a Brooklyn-Philly series. <laughs> and uh, just go through it now so you don't have to worry about it. Not that it's going to be as – it isn't going to be just as intense, especially over the course of a seven-game series if Philly has home court advantage and it goes seven and he's got to go there three or four times. You might as well get it over with or start the process. Not not that it's going to get any easier, but it's going to happen, so let's deal with it. Um, you know what? I'm going to save the other uh, KD clip because uh, we, we've got to hit the break and we want to get to our conversation with Kate Scott, but uh, our, our fabulous producer, Mark Boffel, putting up in the group chat, Jones, you asked for some of the odds. Uh, Joel Embiid, Ben Simmons. Here's here's just one alone, and this is how this is how much they break it down to. This is why you know Vegas or the, the gamblers, the, the, the betting sites, rarely lose. Because it is it is broken down into, and this is just one. You can you can you can uh, bet on you know if the broadcast, which one, radio or TV, 
but is the broadcast going to mention free throw shooting? Will the broadcast uh, show Simmons passed up dunk highlight versus the Nets, or excuse me, versus the Hawks? But this is the one that got me. If Embiid and Simmons make contact, what will it be? Fist bump, plus 175. Just a handshake slash hand slap, plus 200. A handshake slash hand slap, plus a hug, 250. Just a hug, 700. Punch, 1,000. Face slap, 1,200. Butt slap, 2,500. To me, that's the best odds right there. A butt slap, like how is it that a punch is only 1,000, but a butt slap is 2,500? You tell me that they're not going to walk over and maybe shake hands and say, boom, a little slap on the backside. What's up, buddy? Man, throw a couple bucks down on 2,500 for a butt slap. No? Yes. <laughs> yes. Not us, though. Yes. We can't. But. No, we can't, but somebody put $2 down. Put two dollars down on a, what up, man? You know, good luck, or you know, I see you, or whatever. Oh yeah, that's. But then they know, e. Why is it twenty five hundred? Like the likelihood then is, I would assume from the odds, is very low that it happens. Like, did somebody scour the tape and 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 note or recognize that neither Ben Simmons or Joel, Joel Embiid have slapped? butts of teammates or know. or opposing players more than a couple of times over the last five years, hence the reason butt slap is twenty five hundred and the greatest odds or the or the, the highest odds. Uh, I, don't know. I have second no idea. Spe- second spectrum maybe, I don't know. Like yeah, synergy who sports. Like, I don't who know. knows? Who knows? Total times broadcast says Simmons over five and a half, under five and a half. Man, I'd take the over on that. You think they're not gonna mention Ben Simmons more than five say, and a half that- times? That seems low, doesn't it? Yeah. But then again, but then again, never trust these guys in Vegas. These these women, these guys, these people that come up with the odds. Sometimes you look at it and you go, "That's that's an easy one," and that's when they take your money and laugh all the way to the bank. They don't build those big casinos because of people winning. All right, we're late for the break. We're going to come back with Kate <laughs> Scott, TV play-by-play voice of the Philadelphia 76ers on Smith and Jones. Everything Raptors before and after the games. The Raptor Show with Will Liu. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Back on Smith & Jones, Eric Smith, Paul Jones with you. We are getting set for our next broadcast tomorrow night when the Raptors are in Phoenix getting set for a game against the Suns, fresh off their win last night over the San Antonio Spurs. But it's an off night for us, and we will be sitting glued to the television, no doubt, watching the Brooklyn Nets and the Philadelphia 76ers in Philly, 7.30 tip-off of that game, and joining us on the line to talk about it, because it's, uh, I'm sure, going to be fun for a whole lot of reasons, not just between the lines. Uh, The TV voice of the Philadelphia 76ers, Kate Scott. Kate, thanks for the time today. Oh, it's a pleasure to be on with you guys. Is, listen, is this a big game? It's it's not, you know, it's just like playing the Thunder or the Sacramento Kings, right? Why are you guys so excited about this? Well, listen to that diabolical laugh. Like, listen to the chuckle there. That has that has trouble written all over it. And, and, and Kate, Eric and I have had our 
our share of dealings with the fans in Philadelphia. Actually, uh, when we actually see you in person, Eric will tell you a story how he was <laughs> verbally abused by 14-year-olds on Martin Luther King Day of all, of all times, entering the arena from where the visiting team buses come. You know, the loading dock? Oh, it's, you'll love this one, girl. That's, you that's will love this one. That's what we call the Philly hello. That's yes. the yes. Philly welcome. That's just to make so, sure that you guys felt the love that was all so how much love does ben feel tonight oh my goodness that that is a great question um yeah are, are they ever going to stop booing that's no. that's my question especially because he's not playing right and and how long is he actually on the bench for the whole game guys i mean does he come out for a moment and then all of a sudden has to go to the bathroom and we never see him again. Like I'm I'm very intrigued actually to see what happens tonight because as you guys know, as you just said, fourteen year olds are pissed at visiting announcers. So the fact that this dude who they spent a lot of draft capital on, who was oh so close last year and then hasn't shown his face again since, I I'm just very intrigued to see what happens tonight. You know Kate, for all the all the reasons you were just mentioning, and we, we spoke about it just a few minutes ago on the show as well, I'm actually surprised. Now, I mean, let's see if he actually does it. We assume he's going to be on the bench, and to your point, maybe he only comes out for a minute and he's gone. But that yeah. might actually be worse. for Like, if he was in uniform on the floor, maybe he can just put the blinders on and soak himself into the game and, and, and drown everything out and concentrate on what's happening between the lines. If he has to sit there on the bench and hear it from those immediately around the bench, let alone anybody in the near vicinity of the bench for the entire night, that might actually be worse than playing. That's what I was thinking. And when the news broke a couple of days ago that that he's traveling with the team, but he's not going to play, it just didn't make sense to me. So I'm not even sure we're going to see him on the bench tonight because exactly what you just mentioned. Why would you want to sit there so close to the fans for two and a half hours? maybe he's going to be here, but as we know, sometimes guys or coaches watch the game back in the locker room. So they're here, but you don't actually see them. So that doesn't make sense to me, especially with everything that his camp has been saying, right? That he's, I, like a lot of people, am just taking him and his camp at their word, that he has been dealing with mental health trouble. So why in the world would you want to put yourself through that? I, I don't know. Kate, here's here's my question, um, and Eric and I some I surmise this and hypothesize this before the commercial break. Maybe it's a case. Whoa, of, those are big uh, words, guys. This is sports radio, right? Those are no, 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 words. Kate, yeah, Kate, be I clear. Know. It's not guys. It's not guys. It's one guy. He gets me every day. I have to get up the thesaurus. Like I, <laughs> I don't know Canadian, what he's saying half the time. I mean, exactly. <laughs> more and more impressive every day. <laughs> uh, okay, all right. I, as as one of our former the guy <clears throat> who hired both Eric and I, Nelson Millman, said. He looked at me and pointed his left index finger at me with a stern look and said, Jonesy, nothing, nothing longer than marmalade. So, okay, my guess, my educated guess was if this okay. is like winter weather and you're going to have to go through mm -hmm. it, you might as well just get it over with. And it, you know, it's going to snow. You're yeah. going to have to shovel. It's going to be cold. All of mm -hmm. that. Just just mm -hmm. put your coat on and and get it over with. Is this yeah. in 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 deference to the fact that maybe I'm going to have to come back here for a seven game series? 
I mean, if there are basketball mm. gods, we will get a Brooklyn-Philadelphia series. I know. And, I know. And, and, we'll be and maybe he just wants to get it over with. We'd actually get to call it. <laughs> yeah. Maybe we'll just – Ben just wants to get it over with. I don't know. Well, I, I hear that. But going on that thought, wouldn't you then want to play? Because yeah. I, I completely agree with you. Rip off the Band-Aid. So I, if I was him, obviously I'm not – but if I was him and the Nets, too late now, but I would have wanted to play now because you're completely right. There is a high probability if things continue the way they are for the next 18 games that the Sixers and Nets could see each other in the first round. So why in the world would you not want to rip off that Band-Aid tonight during the regular season, get all the whatever's going to happen out versus coming back here for game one of a, a playoff series? But I guess that's not going to happen, so on we go. Speaking with Kate Scott, TV voice of the Philadelphia 76ers, Sixers and Nets tonight, 7.30 in Philly. Kate, what about the other side of this? Let's let's maybe talk from a Philly perspective. Uh, you know, I'll admit, initially, initially I thought, wow, Daryl Morey gave up a lot to get his guy mm-hmm. uh, by, by yeah. including Drummond and Curry in that deal, but then I started looking at it a little bit more, thinking, all right, hold on a second. He might have given up a lot, but at the same time, he didn't give up the young piece in Maxi. He didn't give up another young, solid exactly. piece in a defender in Thibault. So it's like, hmm, all right, mm-hmm. this, this maybe looks a little bit better, and Harden has looked every bit the part of the superstar and the Batman to the Robin, the Robin to the Batman alongside Joel Embiid. Yeah, he looks fantastic. And a lot of us were right there with you in that, man, it stinks to give up Drum and Seth. And yeah, they, they were pieces. They weren't super important pieces. But it still hurt because this team dealt with a lot and won a lot of games leading up to the trade deadline this year, right? The first team stricken by COVID and then Danny Green and Tobias. And Seth, so many guys had different injuries. You know, it's an NBA season. That happens. So the first reaction was, man, that feels like a lot to give up. Now, on the flip side of it, I mean, you guys have seen him now in five games. The minute James got here, because I'd never had any interaction with him before, he looked super in shape. He has been fantastic. I'm lucky enough to be at the practices and shoot-arounds. Doc has granted me that that freedom this year since this is my first season. Um, And he's been the guy high-fiving everybody. After every offensive set, he's going over to Dave Yeager, our offensive coordinator, asking him questions. Same thing after defense, going over to Dan Burke. He's laughing, smiling. He's one of the first guys here. So that narrative that has been built up that that I was believing, too, over the past number of years uh, about him being selfish and all this stuff, sometimes you guys know narratives just get built up, right? I'm sure you dealt with it with Kawhi in Toronto. So a a couple of days ago, I flashed back and was just going down a rabbit hole with James in OKC. And he helped the Thunder to the NBA Finals years ago. And he loved being that sixth man and that, hey, I've got Kevin Durant and Russell Westbrook. I'm going to get them the ball. I know I can score too, but I am more than happy to be a facilitator. That shifted when he was traded to Houston because he had to be the dude there. That's why they traded for him there. So I think that he is actually in his most comfortable phase now. A dude who knows he can score, can get to the free throw line at will, but really loves getting other guys involved in the offense. Um, And as I've talked to a lot of players, they've told me, yeah, it hurts that we lost Seth and Drum in the deal, but those guys may win you a game in the postseason. Superstars like James Harden will win you a series in the playoffs. So... 
so far, it seems to be the case. Obviously, anything could change as the regular season winds down and the postseason happens, but it seems like all of our concerns about who we lost, what kind of guy we were getting in Harden, all of those have been cleared up already in his first five games with the Sixers. Kate, you, you mentioned Doc a minute ago, and I, I don't know if I could think of a better coach right now attitudinally and just being a leader yeah. of people to, to be leading this Sixer team. He's got championship experience. Yeah. He's seen all kind of stuff. I mean, he was supposed to win it with the Clippers. Things didn't work. Mm-hmm. They got rid of him. No big deal. I mean, is is uh, what's Doc's attitude like around all of this? And, and Eric, I know him uh, well, and, and, you know, Eric and I both have had know him and have had great interactions with him. Yeah. You, you've got to have noticed a little bit of a change in him, too. Oh, yeah. I'm right there with you guys. You know, um, at practice yesterday, uh, obviously, we're down in South Beach on the second half of a back-to-back. Teams didn't play on Saturday, and they they did not play well. And, and they still had a chance to win the game. You know, they, they cut it to two with 10 seconds to go in the third quarter. Then let somebody blow by him, hit a three, push the lead to five, and just too tired in the fourth quarter. Then come back Monday night and knock off the Bulls for the fourth time this season. And then at practice yesterday, Doc just started out by gathering the guys up and said, all right, guys, here's the deal. You saw the last two games we played, right? Saturday was not good enough. Monday was. It's up to you guys to decide what kind of team you want to be. There's going to be nights where you're tired, where you don't have it, your shots aren't falling. And championship teams figure out a way to win. And then he followed that up with something that I thought was really poignant because of what you guys said. He said, how long have I been in this game? I've been playing and coaching around it for 40-plus years. He's like, I've had less than five opportunities at an NBA championship. Less than five. Think about that, guys. 40-plus years, less than five. And I'm looking around at all of you right now. We have the talent. We have everything we need to be the last team standing this year. So now it's up to you guys. How badly do you want it? How hard are you willing to work over the next few months and sacrifice and compromise maybe individual pride for team success? And it was, you could hear a pin drop. And I know that's why James came here. I know that's why Joel is here. I know Danny Green and George Niang and, and Paul Millsap and DeAndre Jordan, the veterans who, who, who know what it's like. And then the young guys, you know, talk to Tyrese and Matisse right after the trade deadline. And you could tell that there was a weight lifted off of them. They didn't think they were going to be traded, but they were worried. They knew that they were on a really good team, and they were worried that that was going to be taken away from them because they all know who James Harden is. So they're so happy to be here. The veterans are so happy to be here. And now it's just now it's just up to the guys to decide what they want and bring it back to where we started. I think couldn't have a better guy than Doc Rivers. And also – Dave Yeager, Ian Dan Burke, Sam Cassell, so many other really knowledgeable coaches. This is definitely a team effort coaching staff-wise here. Um, there's a lot of great voices in this room. Again, it's the Nets and Sixers tonight in Philly at 7.30. We will be glued to it, no doubt, as NBA fans. And the Raptors will actually see the Sixers in a couple of weeks in Philly and then host the Sixers late in the season as well in the uh, final couple of games of the season rolling into hopefully the postseason for both Philly and Toronto. Maybe we'll say hi to you then, Kate, because uh, the radio folks aren't traveling this year, so we won't see you in Philly, but we'll uh, hopefully see you up in Toronto in April. Thanks for uh, joining us today. Hey, my pleasure. Thanks for having me on, guys. Enjoy the game tonight. Thanks, Kate.
There is Kate Scott, TV play-by-play voice of the Philadelphia 76ers. It's the first of two tonight in the association, the uh, second game, the late game, Golden State and Denver uh, in Denver. That tip-off at 10 p.m. Eastern, and that should be a fun one as well, uh, no doubt because of Steph. But, man, Jokic still doing his thing. I put up a, put up a video earlier that I saw on, uh, on Instagram or Twitter, put it in the group chat, and I'm sure folks can find it as well. Jokic just putting on a show with the footwork. Like, he is incredible, Jonesy. You say it. He can't jump over a piece of paper, let alone the phone book. But, man, his footwork is incredible, and his season just continues to impress. It's going to be quite the vote come MVP time. All right. We can talk maybe a little bit more about that later on in the show, but I want to remind folks right now to subscribe to Smith & Jones wherever they get their podcasts. Please rate and review, download, and share as well. Back with more in a moment. The smartest takes on the biggest stories in sports. The Fan Drive Time with Ben Ennis and Stephen Brunt. Be sure to subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Back on Smith and Jones. Eric Smith, Paul Jones with you. Subscribe to Smith and Jones wherever you get your podcasts. Please rate, review, download, and share as well. Uh, We're still keeping our fingers crossed and keeping our eyes on Major League Baseball and hoping that maybe good news comes out today Uh, and certainly focusing our attention on the NBA and the big game that goes down tonight between the Philadelphia 76ers and the Brooklyn Nets 730 tip-off of that game. Uh, Later game will be Golden State and Denver, a 10 p.m. Eastern tip as the Raptors get set for their their, uh, tilt tomorrow in Phoenix. It'll be game three of a six-game road trip that then goes to Denver and Los Angeles with games against the Clippers and the Lakers next week. And Jonesy and all of our chatter about the Raptors and Van Vliet's leadership and Toronto getting back on the winning track and then focusing on the Philly-Brooklyn battle tonight. We failed to mention last night the Los Angeles Lakers. Sorry, folks, but they are a story on a damn near daily basis. The Lakers lose with LeBron back in the lineup to the Houston Rockets. The Houston Rockets, dead last in the NBA. Well, actually, I guess Orlando Orlando, a couple of percentage points ahead of them. That's, that's like arguing, though, over do I want one rotten banana or two. Either way, they're dead last in the West. They're brutal. And the Lakers lose to the Rockets in overtime by nine. Like, Jonesy, I, I don't even know what else to say about well, the Lakers. I'll, I'll say this. The Rockets now have beaten the Grizzlies and the Lakers back-to-back. I mean, may, beating the Lakers may not be a big deal, but they did beat the Grizzlies. And the Lakers, as you said, shambles. Shambles. Like, they, they, they're terrible right now. I, I'm, relatively speaking, compared to the expectations – and what they wanted to have happen at the start of the year, they are an unadulterated mess at this moment. All right, king of the segue here, somebody that is not an unadulterated mess. How how about that? That's an intro for somebody, right? There you go. Nor is the hair, some of the best hair on television in in life, period. Uh, And listen, we we couldn't talk to this guy for the longest time because he he was on the enemy. He was on the three-letter. We couldn't bring him on this station or, or, you know, even if we passed each other in a hallway at an arena, we had to look the other way. He was, he was working on the other side. Joining us on the line right now from TNT Sports, uh, pleased to be chatting with Nabil Kareem. Nabil, thanks for the time today, man. Hey, what's going on, guys? And you're right, man. Like, we walked by those hallways and, and there was, like, clear directive, do not talk 
two guys <laughs> with yes on their chest. <laughs> we just know it, obviously. Everyone who knows uh, anybody, especially uh, with the Raptors side of things, everyone's all cool. But, yeah, it's, uh, it definitely is different now when I'm not uh, with TSN. Hey, Nabil, I, I want to hit you with something right off the bat here. I don't even know if Jonesy knows this, and he probably doesn't. If he does, then he's smarter than me. I didn't know this until last night. Um, listen, I didn't think I had to do a whole lot of research to, to chat with you, but still, I'm doing my due diligence. I'm doing my part, and I just happened to check out one podcast. I did not know that you started with criminology before eventually going into broadcasting and clearly making it in broadcasting. Like, to go from from TSN to ESPN and now with Turner, like, kudos to you and congratulations on the new gig. It's part of the reason we wanted to bring you on. But but before we get to sports and all that stuff, how did that happen? Why did that, that, that switch get flipped? And, 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 and like, like, walk us through this to go from criminology to sports broadcasting. Yeah, you know, it's, it's kind of crazy because um, I always wanted to, to be in sports um, when I was in high school. And then, you know, at that time, we're talking like late 90s, there weren't a lot of people that kind of looked like me that were on, in, in sports. And, you know, in my community, a lot of people are in business and, and they're doctors and dentists and trades, whatever. But broadcasting wasn't one of those things. And so, honestly, I just kind of gave up on the dream. I didn't tell anybody and my sister was um, in law school at that time, and she, she did criminology. And the reason I picked criminology was because she had done it. You know, I could get all her books, her papers, and stuff. Like, it was lazy. It was really lazy. And um, I enjoyed it. Honestly, I actually did enjoy it. I did two, about, it was about two and a half years into it where I was kind of like, man, I want to really try this sports broadcasting thing. And that's when I kind of switched my focus and, and started researching and talking to different people who were successful in the country. Um, uh, on how they could get or how they got to where they are. Um, I was kind of that nerd at that time who would go on, like, the websites for, you know, local stations and find it, read everyone's bios and, and kind of find out, you know, um, how they became successful. And had this conversation with my parents, which was kind of... Uh, uh, <laughs> say no more, man. I'm an immigrant family, uh, too. Say no more. You know what I'm talking about, right? Like, it, it was totally. not, it's not the safe decision. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, you know, it took, it took a lot of convincing, and they had questions, and I had answers because I'd done all my research, and the, and the questions that I couldn't answer, I made up the answers. So, um, but, but they could kind of see that, hey, listen, he finally has a passion for something, um, and I think that's when they decided, okay, we'll back you, and um, it, it was one of those situations where I gave myself like a five-year plan. So I was going to finish my degree. At, I, was, I went to Simon Fraser University, so I was going to finish my degree. I switched it over to communication. But um, I wanted to have that in my back pocket. And, and the, the deal was, if I wasn't successful in five years after broadcast school, I, I would go to law school. Um, and so that was kind of the deal I made with my parents. But, you know, it, it was one of those points where I just, you had to be honest with yourself and be like, hey, this is, this is my life. And, yeah, I, I could take the easy way. And it's not like criminology would have been easy. Who knows if I would have been able to make it. But um, I finally decided, hey, i got to take control of my own destiny here and, and kind of speak this thing into existence. Yeah, I, Nabil, I hear you. Uh, being from uh, an immigrant family, it's, those are tough conversations. Those are, those are difficult conversations with the parents and, and, and good for you to follow your dream. Uh, I actually, we actually did it backwards because the little brother, I pushed him in front of my parents to do it first. 
and uh, and I took the safe route. <laughs> I took the safe route in education, and then made the jump later. But I, I guess for me, with your new gig, I want to ask you: What are you most looking forward to in, in your in your new role now? You know, what's so exciting about being at Turner is that they got the two sports that I love the most, hockey and basketball. And and when they got hockey, that was, you know, a, a big um, a, a big sign to me, basically, that this, this is the spot I want to be in. Um, because I look at, like, how many American broadcasters out here would say that their favorite two sports are hockey and basketball. And that, I put my head up for that, right? And so to, to have that opportunity, and as you guys know, the way they, and I should say they, the way we broadcast, uh, you know, at Turner now, it, it's still funny to, to kind of say it, but um, it's so creative, it's so fun, it's so conversational. And so for me, the opportunities I've had already so far, I've done a lot of NBA TV right now, coming in midseason, a lot of assignments are obviously taken, but um, a lot of NBA TV with our, with our guy Sam Mitchell, who who's amazing and has been, you know, a big-time mentor for me, and um, I got to do the NBA on TNT last week in Los Angeles, which was great. Uh, I was hosting the NHL on TNT last week. Also, it was a pretty big week for me. And then coming up, I'm going to be hosting March Madness here for the first week from our Atlanta studio. So they're just giving me a ton of opportunities. And so it's just really exciting. And to host, which is what I really wanted to do, um, and to be able to be attached to a sport that I love, basketball and hockey, um, honestly, it's I've never been happier professionally. Uh, listen, that's 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 that alone is great to hear, if nothing else, Nabil. Because no matter what we're doing in life, you got to be happy, right? You got to be happy with your job. And, and uh, again, yeah. we're talking to Bill Kareem from TNT Sports. Um, you know, without going into to all of the details, unless you want to, whatever you can share. How did it happen? Because I mean, like. It, it, from the outside looking in, Nabil, I mean, I don't, I don't know, good, bad, or otherwise, what what some of the finer details are. Again, if you care to share them or not, but you would think most people would be watching, going, "Wow, to go from, you know, to go from TSN in, in Canada and having a great job here to to going to ESPN, that's huge in itself." And wow, you think most people are like, "This is great," and and I'm at TSN and all, or and, and now I'm at ESPN, and boom, to move on to to to, to Turner as well and to TNT, like, like, how did it all, or why did it all come together and happen like this? You know, like, I go back to my time at TSN. Even I go back to, you know, when I was in broadcast school, the goal, that five-year goal, the, the last part of that goal was to, to be in a major network in Canada. or uh, Sorry, not a major network, a major uh, market in Canada. So for me at that time, Vancouver, Toronto, kind of through Calgary, and there, even though Calgary doesn't really count, but that was one of the things for my parents <laughs> to make them feel a little bit better. But um, when I hit TSN, that was that was it. Like it was either TSN Sportsnet, you, you get there, and like I've hit the holy grail because that's what we grew up with, right? Like I think even when I went to ESPN, people didn't understand it. Like we didn't, we don't get ESPN, we don't get ESPN Sports Center in Canada. We get our own Sports Center in Canada. We get our own, you know, Sportsnet connected. Um, so we didn't grow up with all those faces. And so when I got to TSN, you know, working with Rod Smith and James Duffy and Jennifer Hedger, Dutch, all the, the list goes on. Like that was the holy grail, and, and I had made it and. It was, I would say, like four, five, more than that now, probably five, six years ago, where, I don't know, things got kind of stale for me, and, and I figured I could do more. I knew I could do more, and I wanted more opportunities, and that's what it kind of came down to, and I wasn't getting them. And so um, Sam Mitchell, again, he pulled me, I'll never forget, he pulled me aside at a Raptors game, before the Raptors game, and told me, hey, man, you should try to come down to the States. And um, I never thought about it until then. 
And from there, I kind of triggered myself to be like, hey, let me just explore this thing. And as I explored it, that's when, you know, opportunities started to come up. And, and when ESPN came calling, that was, I mean, that was a no-brainer that I had to go try that. And, um, you know, I was so lucky, so fortunate. I think just from going to TSN to ESPN, that whole transition, because, um, you know, you're confident in yourself, you're confident in your ability, but it's, it's a whole different ballgame when you go to ESPN in, in, a certain, in a certain sense, I should say. Um, not that... And that one thing I hate is when people say Canadian broadcasters are not as good as American broadcasters. That's totally false. Um, but it's just just a transition of being in a different market and, and not knowing. And ESPN is just a lot bigger. It's hard to compare it to anything else. So just getting there. And I'll, again, after my first show on Sports Center, it was a three-hour morning Sports Center. Um, there was just like this sense of like emotion and just. Um, uh, it, it was one of those moments of gratitude where you're like, oh, my God, okay, I was able to do this. And it, it felt real good. And so just my time at ESPN, I just became so much better. Um, I think as a broadcaster, it challenged me a lot more um, just by the nature of what they do, how many shows they have, the content that they produce. And so, again, I never dreamt about going to ESPN, but when that opportunity came up and knowing that I had the itch to do more, that's kind of how it all transitioned. And then the Turner thing was just, I mean, again, I think most people would say when you watch, like, inside the NBA, that's, that's the holy grail of shows, right? Like, just as far as having fun. And, and then when this Turner opportunity came up, and, again, with basketball and hockey, um, no-brainer. It was just like, this is a, a rare opportunity. They don't hire very often. And, um, you know, I, I had to, again, I didn't want to uproot my family. It's, it's difficult on them. And I have a very supportive wife and two kids who are, you know, um, behind me on all this and it's tough on them but i think this was the, the hopefully the last move that we have to make but it was one where i think um again it was a no-brainer had to do it and it's just it's the environment they've built at turner it's like nothing i've ever been around before the family environment and it starts at the top and um you know with all their talent the first day i got there they have this area called the clubhouse and you got Shaq and Chuck and ever everyone just hanging out with everybody, you know, shooting the breeze and and uh, and I'm talking not just talent. I'm talking people, you know, our makeup artists and our ads and producers and showrunners, everyone. And it starts with those guys because they know everyone's name. You know, again, they're they're bugging people, they're doing their thing, and it, it, there's just this environment that again now you can see why it kind of resonates on air too because everyone enjoys working with everybody, and so. It's just been a blessing to be here, honestly. Uh, Nabil, I, I know from talking to my brother when he first made the jump, it's the uh, what makes it great is the total immersion into um, into sports, and nobody's looking at you sideways because you are a sports nut. Uh, it, it's it's accepted. It's okay. And and I and I think about where you yep. are now. I think about where you are now, and your your working knowledge of the NHL and of hockey and junior hockey and everything that goes with it, um, you know, how valuable you would be to Turner. How, how much of those people, how, how, in learning the game of hockey, what kind of questions are you getting from those people or people kind of picking your brain about your insights into, into hockey in general? You know, I, I think as far as, like, Turner's concerned, I, I haven't really had people come up. I think what they've done at Turner, and they've done a good job of it, is hired people who, who know the game, right? And so I think as far as hockey's concerned at Turner, I haven't really got that. No one's coming over to me to be like, hey, what do you think about 
this or that or, or trying to learn the rules. We have people in place there that know the game. Um, we're presenting it in a different way, and you can see that on the clips that kind of go viral for uh, our NHL side um, because we're having more fun and, and doing it the way they're trying to do it the way you know our basketball guys do it. But uh, when I was at ESPN, I think again, I think there's a, a large hockey fan base, but I think even when I was at ESPN, it's different. Like that, that's a spot where before we got the hockey rights there, I was doing a lot of in the crease shows and <laughs> a ton of people who wanted to do that show. Um, and that's just because there's less people who, who watch hockey. And, and so that's, I think, a time where, yeah, you did get a little on that show specifically. Yeah, we had hockey nuts on that show and, that, and they did a good job of staffing that with people who know the game. But, you know, other anchors, other people, you know, they would ask you about hockey and they would ask you questions about certain players. And I still think it's baffling that, you know, Connor McDavid is literally the LeBron James of hockey, right? I, I think that's kind of a fair analogy, like just with his skill level and where he's at. And yet a lot of people in this country don't know who he is. I mean, there, there's no chance. And so, um, you know, the sport's got to do a much better job in that sense of, of marketing their guys. But, um, but yeah, I, I think at Turner specifically, I think they've done a nice job of hiring um, and having a, a team that's really knowledgeable about the game. Speaking with Nabil Kareem from TNT Sports, uh, Nabil, I, I, I want to draw this analogy, and I, I, I'm assuming you'll agree with me, but maybe not. You know, in, in talking about, um, to me, the gold star, and you said, you said it earlier, the gold standard of, of arguably television, period, let alone sports shows, is inside the NBA. What Ernie and, and Charles and Kenny and Shaq do, it's, it's incredible. It's, it's, it's riveting television every single time that they're on. And, you know, I think that what... Um, what what Hockey Night in Canada is doing, what Sportsnet's doing, heck, you know, and, and again, even TSN, what we're doing in Canada in so many different platforms, whether it be within hockey, basketball, I think there is a ton of talent across the board, period. But the one thing I will say, too, that I've liked so far from seeing the coverage on Turner on the hockey side of things, I'm going to pull Wayne Gretzky. I don't know if it's going to turn out to be the same way with Charles, because Charles, with due respect to Wayne, is more of a personality. Wayne to me, and Wayne is my guy. Like, I'm staring right now at an autographed Wayne Gretzky hockey stick in my office here as I'm asking this question. He's my guy, going back to childhood. But he's kind of a, a quieter, drier personality, and I questioned when that was announced, like, ooh, it's a great name. You can't get any better than that, any bigger than that than the name. But how is he actually going to be on television? And I love the fact that so far, because of the way that the show is being run, almost like the Inside the NBA, where... They're poking fun at a star, whether it's Shaq, whether it's Charles. They're poking fun at Wayne Gretzky, self-deprecating. Uh, we're starting to see the humor coming out more and more from Wayne, whether it's you know uh, Paul Bissonnette pulling it out from him or Rick Tockett or otherwise, and we're starting to see that personality come out more, and it's less about the career and the cups and the accolades and more about just knowing that you're just a guy at the end of the day and he's yucking it up like he would with the dudes in the locker room. And I love seeing that laid-back side of him that so many guys are pulling out. Well, name dropped right here. So I was talking to Wayne. And so here's oh, the thing. Sorry. Oh, okay. Sorry, sorry, Nabil. Yeah, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> he's, a good, he's actually a good family friend. Um, and so, <laughs> you know, I was talking to him about it. And, and he told me he's having a lot of fun. Like he said, he's actually he's having a lot of fun. He hasn't worked all. Let's be let's be honest about that. But he's going to work a lot more as the playoffs come. But um, he's having a lot of fun. And again, that goes back to that environment that I was telling you about. Started with Shaq and Chuck and all these guys and Kenny and, and Ernie. 
Um, but Wayne is walking around the hallways there. He's walking around the clubhouse. He's talking to everybody. Um, and you're seeing that on air. And, again, when we talk about Wayne Gretzky, and, and again, I think a lot of people would, would have had doubts coming into his broadcasting career because, look, compare him to Michael Jordan. You think Michael's coming on TNT? He's not doing that, right? Uh, and, and Michael's really reserved with his comments, too. Um, but Wayne has come out there. He, he's kind of one of the guys. Um, and, and from what he's told me is that he's really enjoying the experience so far. And so I, I think the fact that the people that they put around him has really helped um, and kind of just eased him into, into this whole thing. And, and I think he's got an open mind about, you know, hey, listen, he doesn't have to be Charles, and there's not going to be another Charles. Uh, and like you said, they're two different personalities, but he just has to be himself. And um, he's kind of let his guard down. I think you can, can see that. He's, he's definitely comfortable. But, I mean, again, from what he told me, he basically said, like, he's having a great time. He's really enjoying doing this. And I think that's a great thing for Turner because it, it could have gone either way, right? Again, this guy is, you know, larger than life. Um, and to, A, bring him in is a serious feat because I'm sure Canadian broadcasters have been trying for years to do that. Um, and so to, to have him there, um, and, and the thing about Wayne is that, you know, we've seen clips go viral of, of what he's said, and I don't mean that viral as he's pushing it for it to be viral, but just because when Wayne Gretzky speaks, we all listen, right? Hey, Nabil, uh, and I so, hate to cut you off, man. I yeah. hate to cut you off, but we got to go because we're up against the clock. You know how that works. I apologize, man. We're going to get you back. Great to have you on the show. Thanks for tuning in to Smith & Jones, folks.